It's from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 24. Please follow along in your Bibles or on the screen in the front. Eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus, the name given to him by the angel, even before he was conceived. Then it was time for their purification offerings. As required by the law of Moses after the birth of a child, so his parents took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. The law of the Lord says, if a woman's first child is a boy, he must be dedicated to the Lord. So they offered the sacrifice required in the law of the Lord, either a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Good morning, everyone. My name is Josh. Uh, I'm one of the pastors at High Rock Church uh, as High Rock and Mars Hill Fellowship Church worship together, and it's great to be worshiping with all of you today. Uh, Today is a different service in many different ways. Uh, In part, we have the kids with us the whole service long. Uh, My sermon will be much shorter than usual and more interactive, so parents can uh, hopefully feel a little bit of peace about that. We also are missing lots of people because folks travel over the holidays, but I am hoping that even though we're missing some people and we have a different kind of service that um, the reality of what we have gathered this Christmas morning, Sunday morning to remember and to celebrate is not lost for us. Um, when you think about the Christmas story, I'd love to invite... Um, What are words, images that come to mind? Child. Child. Sure. Central to the story. What else? When you think of the Christmas, what are the images and things that come to mind? Three wise men. Stars. What was? What? Shepherds. Absolutely. What else? Manger, gifts, new beginnings, angels, angels, by the way, angels that we often imagine in the sky, but I am almost, I'm 98% sure, I wasn't there, but I'm 98% sure we're on the ground walking and it was thunderous as they did it. That's just, that part's incredible. Anything else that comes to mind, Christmas story? Jesus. Why don't we go ahead and end with that? That's, that's pretty good. It's pretty good. Uh, there are lots of images, there are lots of words and things that come to mind in the story that we remember every year. But let it never be lost on us that what we celebrate and remember this morning is that The God of all creation, in the incarnation of Jesus, opened up the gates of heaven and he himself came out in flesh with angels surrounding to enter into this world in which we live and now to live 
in the flesh that we inhabit and to experience it and then all the things that come after it, which are incredible. But the incarnation itself, that he was born into this world and the way, the, the incredible way that he was born into this world, not coming on thrones or in palaces or kingdoms, but instead entering through a young virgin's womb into a family of no means by way of a manger in a barn with animals surrounding him. Like, the ridiculousness of that story and how just unexpected and yet incredible it is, is what we gather here to celebrate and to remember uh, this morning. However, I want to move to a different part of the story for our time. Because one of the episodes that is not often remembered or celebrated or discussed in the Christmas season is what comes nearly immediately after that birth scene in the manger. And that is that on the eighth day, Jesus was circumcised, and on the 40th day, that he was brought to the temple to be dedicated. We're going to... we're going to dedicate Eva in a couple months, right? That's one of the things we do at church, right? When babies come along, um, parents bring them up, and we stand them in front of the congregation, and we say, here is this beautiful new child, um, and the parents then dedicate the life of that child to the Lord. They, they take a single moment amidst their friends and family and church community, and they say, this is the child that God has given to us, and we now dedicate him or her to the Lord, i.e., in this specific moment, surrounded by these people, we set forth the rest of their life in a direction as we pray and hope as a disciple of Jesus. There is this moment of dedication, and that moment is meant to be then followed by an extraordinary, we hope, what is a long life of walking in the same direction, right? A long discipleship. But that is just that kind of inaugural moment. Jesus had his dedication. It was a typical thing that would happen, especially among firstborn boys. And they would come to the temple or they would go to some place and they would be dedicated. After their mother had gone through her process of, of impurity and was ready, then they would come on the 40th day for the purification offering and for the dedication of the child. This is why Jesus was brought to the temple on that day. And so here's what I want to do. And I don't, this part, I don't know how it's going to work. We don't talk about that part of the story very often, but I think there is um, some incredible stuff in there. So we're going to just explore it for a second. So what I'd like you to do, if you're willing, is to just for a moment, I want you to close your eyes And I'm going to give you first one image and then a second that I want you to explore with me. So if you're, you don't have to if you feel weird, but if you're willing, um, I invite you to close your eyes. And the first thing I want you to imagine in your mind's eye is I want you to just to see Mary and Joseph on the 40th day walking out of Bethlehem a few miles away from the temple and Mary carrying her just over a month old new baby boy in her arms. I just want you to see them walking from Bethlehem up to the temple in Jerusalem. 
and I want you to see Mary, and I want you to see that, I want you to see that little boy in her arms. His 40-day-old flesh, specifically the flesh, as she walks. What's powerful about this story is that Jesus' life is bookended by trips to the temple. And so the second image that I want you to see is 33 years later when he is again entering into the temple. Being brought this time not by a loving mother carrying him in, his ar- in her arms, but by Roman officials and Roman soldiers. And I want you to see him at 33 being brought in. I want you to see his body. Like in your mind's eye, if you can see his body. Okay, you can open your eyes. So I want to ask, I want to invite you to just reflect on those two images. Those two moments. The first at the very beginning of Jesus' life and the second near the very end. Where he is being brought to the temple. What connections do you see between those two stories? I'm actually going to invite anyone who sees anything to say it out loud. Innocence. Oh, I didn't think of that. That's a good one. Dang. Oh, now I want to divert the whole sermon to innocence. Shoot. No, everyone, you don't have to be that good, all right? Continue to participate. What's that? Accompaniment. Accompaniment. Absolutely. Can you just a little bit more describe that? It's not just him by himself. And and the uniqueness of the folks who are bringing him, right? Like in, he's being accompanied in both scenarios, but in very different ways, right? It, it's a totally different. Good. What else? Willingness. Absolutely. What else do you see between the two stories? Whether, whether it be parallel or difference. Witnesses, abs- yes. And, and specifically, I'm gonna just go a little bit further on that. Simeon and Anna are the two primary witnesses at the temple scene, and those witnesses are celebrating him are, are, are worshiping him, are declaring his greatness. And the witnesses that we have primarily in the second scene are those who are condemning him and who are prosecuting him, right? So you have two witnesses in both, but two very different kinds of witnesses. What else? Anything else? These are great. Uh, one of the things that I think, one of the things that's most obvious uh, is flesh, um, you know, you think of that newborn baby, soft skin, rolling arms, you know, the, you know that, what it is for a baby, the flesh of a baby, so clean and pure and soft and rolly. And then what his flesh was experiencing in the second trip, where it was bloodied and ripped and torn. And most important, I guess, at a salvation level is in the first, he's coming for the purification offering of his mother 
right? They're entering in and they're bringing, uh, you know, either a pigeon and two turtle doves for the poorest of the poor, which is what his family brought. And that's what would be sacrificed at the temple for the purification of his mother. In the second trip, he is the sacrifice that is being brought, but not just for the purification of his mother, but for the purification of all God's people, right? So you have this story that we often overlook and we don't talk about at Christmas all that much, but Jesus is being brought into the temple to be dedicated, but that moment is foreshadowing this incredible thing that is coming, this unbelievable and eternity-changing moment that will be coming 33 years later in his life. And so even though it's a small scene that Kofi read for us, as he's coming forward to be dedicated, he's brought into the temple, it is giving us this little glimpse into the future of a day that will be so different. He comes during the day as a kid. He comes in the night when he comes as an adult. Like everything has changed. There's, there's so much light and hope and joy and beauty in this one. And then all this darkness and, and devastation and death that comes in the next. And, and this is the trajectory of Jesus' life that he was going to be on. And I think it's, it's beautiful, for, beautiful for us to see that, that when he was brought and dedicated, um, he was dedicated to the service of the Lord. And that would mean for him incredible suffering, incredible hardship, a man of tears and mourning. That would be the reality of Jesus' life. And yet we come today and we celebrate the beginning, kind of the pure, beautiful, innocent beginning of all that was going to come after that. And that's the thing about dedicating any child, not just Jesus. It's always done before the incredible thing, in preparation for what God will eventually do in the life of that child. And so that leads me to what I just want to highlight for us here today specifically. In Israel, they had dedications of children. They also had consecration of a community. And these were two similar things. The idea was that at the beginning of something, you would set a child apart or you would set a people apart as they were then to enter into what it was that God was going to do, either in their life or in their community. One of the more famous uh, circumstance or situation stories that we have of uh, communal consecration in the scriptures is Joshua chapter 3, where it says that uh, the people were going to consecrate themselves for in preparation of the thing that God was going to do, this incredible thing. In that moment, the incredible thing was he was going to open up the Jordan River so that they could go walking across into the land that had been promised to them after 40 years of wandering and waiting in the wilderness. And so there was this consecration of the people, just like we had dedication of children, but the idea was that you'd consecrate yourselves in this moment. You would purify yourselves. You would set yourselves apart so that you were ready to experience and receive the incredible thing that God was about to do in your community. And so as we are now entering into this new year, uh, all of us as individuals, um, 
what you're being invited into. So Mars Hill Fellowship Church, they have kind of this um, season of consecration, this time of consecration at the beginning of every year. This, this setting apart where you fast and you pray and you enter into a, a, a unique moment so that you can prepare yourself, set yourselves apart for the work that God will do in you throughout the rest so that you are dedicated to his service for the rest of the year. And so, and, and so as individuals, we're given that opportunity. As a church, especially at the high rock level, we're going into this. We're entering into a season of discernment about what we're going to be. So we also are going to be consecrating our, and setting ourselves apart as we enter into a time where we invite God to. We are anticipating that he will do something new and unique and incredible, but we don't even know what that looks like. We are just going to consecrate ourselves first as we prepare for the incredible thing that God is going to do. And so uh, as we are, tomorrow's New Year's Eve, Tuesday obviously is the new year. As we are entering into that seasonal newness, um, as we as individuals and as a whole congregation are entering into uh, an entirely new season, what I would like to the most obvious thing I would like you to do is look into this beautiful 15-page document that Pastor Joseph put together on consecration, which has incredible details on fasting and lots of options for fasting. There's kind of the fasting for beginners and the fasting for, you know, kind of if you're a little experienced, and then there's like some there's some serious stuff that even I don't think I'm able to accomplish. Not that I'm great in anything, but like I should be, you'd think. But it's there are all different levels. But I would love to invite you to participate in these two weeks of um, setting yourself apart as an individual for what God might do in you and in your life over the next year. But then also as a church that we could enter into a time of fasting and prayer, not only anticipating what God might do in my life, but anticipating what he might do this coming year in the life of our church and our churches as we gather together and worship. And so uh, that's my simple invitation. You all are here on a Sunday morning to celebrate and to worship. Um, you are a called, a set apart, a unique, a holy people. And in a part of that is taking unique moments in our lives and then dedicating ourselves, consecrating ourselves in preparation for the things that are to come. And so I want, I would I'd love to encourage you to take that thought seriously as we enter into a new year and what would it look like for you to be preparing yourself, like giving yourself some space and preparation for what God might do. So what I would like to do uh, just to conclude for this morning is I'd like to, to pray for all of you and to prepare, uh, pray for um, whatever that might look like in your life, but what is to come over the next uh, 12 months. So can we just enter into a time of prayer? Lord, um, you know that for me and um, my family, this coming year presents a lot of new things uh, that introduces all sorts of thoughts. And I think you know how I have um, reflected on that and prayed about that and, um, and the sense that I have of entering into something new. This morning, I want to pray for everyone who's here and um, for this coming 2019, um, 
First, I want to pray that your Holy Spirit will be poured out on the lives of everyone in this church. I want to pray that your Holy Spirit will be able to enter in to do new things and create new things and bring new things into every person's life in this room. And yet, at the same time, what we know through Scripture and even just through simple logic is that your Holy Spirit enters into holy things, into things that have been consecrated and set apart. And so I want to pray that for everybody who's here, that there will somehow, in whatever way you might call them to and convict them of, that there would be an opportunity for them to, um, in the beginning of this year, set apart time, enter into this um, moment of consecration, dedication, so that they might... um, separate themselves, make themselves holy and unique, that, that, that we could um, be a people ready to then receive the incredible things that you might do in us and through us and for us in the coming year. So I, I just pray for the next couple of weeks for everyone in this room that that is a time of prayer, that it is a time of fasting, that it is a time of um, deep connection with you and a time of preparation for all of us. I specifically pray for uh, our two churches as we um, discern our futures, both as individual churches and in our our partnership together. There are a lot of um, decisions that will have to be made in the coming months. There, we need, we want to know, Lord, what you are calling us to do. And I pray that this time of consecration is is a time that sets. Um, that sets the stage for that, that, that allows the space into which you can come and speak and move, that we can hear you, that we will know your will, obey your will, and walk into the future together. So I pray for these next, um, these next couple weeks of consecration, these next few months of uh, intentional discernment, and I pray that somehow in the, at the, in the midst of that, that there will be a moment when we look and say, you know, we dedicated ourselves, we consecrated ourselves earlier And now we have seen the great things that God has done among us. Uh, We don't know what those things are now. We are just setting ourselves, readying ourselves for them. But we trust that as your Holy Spirit is poured out among us, we will see them happen. So we pray for this year, uh, for all of the things that are coming. I I anticipate that it will be um, a deeply meaningful and memorable year for each of us and for our churches. We commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to just uh, stand and sing a little bit more uh, as we celebrate this morning. Would you please rise?